Welcome to the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm an editorial uh, writer, automotive writer for Bay Area News Group, and I publish and edit the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend uh, Bruce Aldrich is across the way from me. We're in his backyard here in Sacramento, and we're uh, the rules have been easing up a little bit, but we're still keeping our safe uh, distance practices during our, our crisis that we have. And um, this morning we have on a very interesting gentleman who I've spoken to now, I think this is the third time. His name is Tom Britzman, and he lives in an area that I was unfamiliar with. It's called East Garrison, California. Um, most people would know it as Fort Ord, and that area is changing quite a bit. Uh, Tom is an interesting man. He's had, um, I'm calling it an 80-year love affair with automobiles that started when he was age 10. And he joins us today to talk about his long history with automobiles. So welcome to our podcast, sir. How are you today? Well, I'm very fine. It's a nice 70 degrees right outside of Monterey with bright blue sky. And so it couldn't be better. That's great. Well, I think a good starting point would be um, you forwarded some information to an editor of mine. And then we chatted and um, for full disclosure, I had never heard of a Saxon before. So let's start about uh, talking about the Saxon and the fact that you drove this car um, to high school at age 14 in Lodi High School here in California. So could you tell us about that interesting experience you had at age 14? Well, uh, starting with the fact that in California, at age 14, you could get an adult unlimited driver's license. And that occurred because I was 14 in 1944, and World War II was still going on pretty strongly, and we didn't have many able-bodied men around. And so they had a special numbering system for California driver's licenses, and if your driver's license was issued when you were 14, it started with the letter Y. And uh, that was to indicate that I guess you were somewhat young. But in any event, that's how I got my license so early. Now, the Saxon. When I got it, I was in high school. It was in 1917. And I seem to have an attraction for vehicles that are uh, missing something. And the Saxon, when it came from the factory, didn't have a self-starter. So I was one of the few that had a car that you had a crank to get it started. The car was a high school kid's car before I had it. It was painted the colors of our high school, red and white, and it was missing a top, it was missing doors, it was missing fenders, it was missing running board. Uh, it, it was about as basic as you could get, but it ran and it was easy to start because the compression ratio was very low on those cars. It had a six-cylinder engine, which made it much smoother than a Model T. It looked like a Model T, where someone had extended the hood 
to take the space for the other two cylinders. And uh, it, it, it was fine. Uh, you know, you had to know how to crank a car, and uh, there was several things about it that I think that more people in the high school knew my car than knew me. Yes. Dom, now at the time, was that quite an oddity, or were there other guys with Model A's and Model T's in the parking lot? Oh, Model A's were great. If you had a Model A, and that's what I graduated to from from the Saxon. The Saxon had its differential and transmission cast in one piece at the rear axle, and it had rods going back to change the gears. It was three speeds forward, and of course, one in reverse. And uh, it, it, it just looked like a Model T with a longer hood. Gotcha. And at that point, at, at, the, at the ripe old age of 14, you had already had four years of driving. You told me the story. Uh, I, I, I don't <laughs> talk about that too much because <laughs> there wasn't any driver's license involved in those four years. I, I think the statute of limitations is gone. I think you're okay. You're free to talk. <laughs> My first car was an American Austin yes. 1934 model. And an Austin was the same, it was patterned almost exactly after the British Austin. And it was a very small, uh, actually tiny car. Uh, yes, that's what I learned to drive. And I I don't think it was too wise in retrospect, but my <laughs> father bought it for me, registered it in my name. And so I was the owner of a 1934 Austin in 1940s. And that's where I learned to drive. And out in the country, we had a cow across the street from us on one way. And if you looked out the east window of the house, you'd find a tomato field. So (laughs) it wasn't quite, you know, uh, there was no curbs. There were no gutters. You know, it, it, it wasn't good. But when you're 10 years old, it's just an exciting adventure. Perfect. It's perfect. Was there a lot of dirt roads? Were you mostly out in the fields and whatnot, or are you on no, paved roads? No, mo- roads were blacktop, but they weren't. Uh, there, there, there weren't shoulders on the roads. They were very narrow. And my father's office was out about ten miles outside of where we lived in Tracy at the time, Tracy, California. And uh, the uh, roads were fine, and uh, that was a long way to go for me. But my father's telephone, to show how antique it was, you had to spin a crank on the side of the phone to get the operator and tell the operator who you wanted to talk with. My goodness. So this is, uh, you know, it was a farmer line, and there were about six or eight people on that line. So it was kind of interesting. Yes. Very much so. Now, going forward to high school uh, with the Saxon, uh, you told me the story, and, and I, I thought it was fantastic, <laughs> about um, going to an assembly, but the senior guys didn't have to go to all the assemblies, and, and someone came no. and told you that you had you should go to the library. 
So could you yes, reiterate? Right. And the library was up a bunch of marble steps yes. and was really a second floor, but that was the main floor of Lodi High School. There was only one high school in Lodi at that time. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, I went to the assembly. What the heck? As a 14-year-old freshman, why you pretty much follow the rules. And uh, somebody came and, uh, and said, hey, Tom, I think you better go. I think it'd be a good idea if you went up to the library. And well, okay, what, what? Well, on the marble floors of the high school, the library was directly um, where your main entrance was. And there was my Saxon sitting dripping oil. Now, <laughs> don't be critical of it dripping oil because I don't think any car made in 1917 didn't drip oil. Yep. But uh, I don't think it was too approved to have oil dripping on this marble floor. And uh, I, of course, had to round up a bunch of kids because pushing a car, and they did. They just pulled it up. I'd been parked a block away. They brought it up and uh, pushed it up the stairs and turned it around so it was facing out. And uh, if I had tried to take it downstairs without a lot of help, it would gravity would have gotten away and it would have crashed on the uh, sidewalk of, in front of the school. And uh, fortunately, I had enough help and the car was lowered down uh, those steps very carefully. It was uh, actually a, from a second story and uh, lowered down and uh, had no problem. And when I got it down, I cranked it and got it going and moved it out to the street again. Did you get in trouble? Uh, no, because I didn't do it. <laughs> I love it. It's like a get hijinks. Seniors. Yeah, the seniors. You guys, trouble. you guys set the pace for the 60s and 70s for the VW bug hijinks, huh? Yes. Well, I had one other experience with it that I hadn't told you about, but I think it's kind of interesting. Sure. Uh, I parked it on the street, and it was near the high school. You couldn't always just park right at the high school. High schools didn't have uh, parking lots at that time. And uh, the way the cars were built, they had uh, chrome bumpers that were extended out a ways. Uh, more, uh, I would say, you would expect that on a Model T or even in a Model A. And uh, we used to say that the women used to park by ear because when they paralleled park, they would back up until their bumper hit the bumper of the car behind them, and then they knew that they were in okay and would go forward. Well, there is a space, that's the point I'm trying to make, between the, the bumper and the actual car. And I went out one day after school, and... Uh, here was my car, but it was over a post. And uh, I had to take the bumper off to be able to get the car out. Again, the car was light. and uh, Oh, they lifted it up it, over a post. Or... Li lifted yep. it up over a post, and there it was. And uh, there's no way I could drive away with a post between the car and the bumper. So in any event, those things, that 
none of that was really serious. It was just kind of the kind of fun that you had, I guess. Fun. Sure. They call that bullying now. Yeah, now you'd be, uh, you'd be, uh, there'd be lawsuits for harassment and you'd be bullied, but it seems like you came well, through I, that okay. I, I was a victim in these cases. <laughs> That's right. You were. <laughs> That's right. But, um, I think the other thing that you have a lot, we have lots of cars to talk about, but the other thing that I really took a chuckle to was that you didn't have that, the Saxon for all that long, but it's kind of two parts. Number one, I didn't realize that at one point at the peak of its popularity, that car sold, if I, if you can trust Wikipedia, that it sold about 23,000 units in, in one year back in the day. That's a lot of cars to sell. Um, and that's really surprised me, number one. And number two, when you no longer had the vehicle and you've gone on to many others, you mentioned to me that you understood that the car, the engine of the car had been used uh, to pump water in a, in a drainage ditch somewhere. And I just found well, that hilarious. Yeah, it was an irrigation ditch. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, uh, Tracy had a uh, sugar factory and the sugar beets were grown in the area and of course they had to be watered and the last I heard of that engine it was still running and it was uh, running a pump and was pumping water into the irrigation ditch for the uh, sugar beets. Oh my, that's great. Um, So moving forward, uh, your father was, uh, you said you told me uh, Tom that you're, you're a car family and that makes perfect sense. And through the years now, from age 10 to age 90, um, you've had lots of cars. And um, you have it's what seems to me almost you know photographic memory recalling some of those cars. So could you take us through some of the highlights of the vehicles you've had through the years? Well, yeah. Let's go to the next car because I did graduate to a Model A. Yes. And that was big move. I had fenders, I had running board, and uh, it was a roadster, so I didn't have roll-up windows. But uh, that car, uh, the first car needed a starter. The second car, the Model A, needed a fuel pump. The gasoline was put in to the gas tank, and the gas tank was right above your knees when you were sitting in the car. So it was the filler was in the center of the hood, like, and it was right in. Well, you looked out the windshield and saw it, and it was all gravity, and that was fine as long as you were going on a fairly level ground. But just like the Model T, if you needed to go up a hill you might find that gravity wasn't working quite the way you wanted it to, and you had to back up the hill. <laughs> Not, didn't happen very often, but it, it was possible. Yes. And my, my Model A had a rumble seat, and uh, it, no, it was a, it, it, that was quite a, an, an advantage, and, and uh, it was a real car, not a, sort of a toy the way the fat Saxon had been. Yes. But uh, then I went from that to a 34 Ford, which was a business coupe, and I had windows. <laughs> so, you know, but of course it had suicide doors too. The hinge for the, the door was at your shoulder. And sure. the, the door opened 
well, you know what a suicide door is. In any event, uh, that lasted quite a while, but uh, somebody offered me a lot of money for it because I had fixed it up pretty nicely. And so I sold it, and uh, about, oh, maybe, I'm going to say a month and a half after I sold it, we got a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. The person that bought it hadn't registered it, and so it was illegally parked, and they didn't give it a ticket. They just find out who owns it and give them a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And, uh, of course, I explained that we didn't, it wasn't owned by us anymore. And I transferred my driving to a 37 Ford, but it was the little uh, V8, 60 horsepower, which at the time um, I took that car to college. So it wasn't all bad to have a car that was a little bit more economical, but... uh, I had that 37 Ford for quite some time. In fact, I had it until probably 1950. And so my I, I got it in, let's see, I graduated in 47, so I probably got it in 46. So I had it for four years. And uh, I went to Cal Berkeley, and uh, we won the championship for the, football game, and uh, the football game was held January 1st in Pasadena of 1949, and I still have my ticket to that football game, and I took the 37 Ford down, and that's what I used, and it was a little hard crossing the Tehachapi's, but that's what my roommate and myself went to the football game, and uh, Rose Bowl games are pretty expensive now. Yes, they are. Wow! My ticket as a, my ticket as a student was two dollars. There you go. There you go. That uh, V8, that thing didn't pull the grade over the Tehachapi's very well. Sixty horsepower. Most of the sixty horsepower engines ended up running midget racers. It's the regular horsepower was eighty-five. And uh, that was a much bigger engine. And no, the torque on it was extremely poor. I see. What was but, the price of gas back then? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Maybe 19 cents a gallon. Maybe maybe a little more. But I don't think so. I think 19 cents a gallon. My father worked for Shell Oil Company. So uh, price of gas was not something that was readily was sure. that important it was to me. Cheap. Yeah. Now you've mentioned uh, in our last conversation that where you live now uh, you have some pictures of yourself and uh, once again you made me laugh because you said that the picture of you in the Saxon shows quite a bit of you because it didn't have much to hide, any, no doors and no tops so forth <laughs> and you had your jeans as you described you had your jeans rolled up about six inches um, so you had some massive cuffs on those old jeans. And, um, well, that was the style then. Yes. I, I, I wasn't trying to be a leader in fashions, but have you ever heard of the magazine called Reminisce? Yes. Well, my picture in the Saxon was on page, I believe it's 
17. I've got it here in my lab. No, it's page 19. Yes. And it was of the July issue of 2017. So it's been a few years. But my picture is there, and I have it actually, that picture uh, framed, and but it doesn't hang in the house. It hangs in the garage. Yes. And uh, here I am, uh, smiling broadly, and my Levi's were rolled up enough. And the style then, of course, everyone smoked. So yes. it's a different world. And uh, the cuff is rolled up enough that you could put a pack of cigarettes in it. <laughs> I gotcha. Hey, Tom. But that was the style. I'm yeah, sure was. sitting there smiling. Uh, the main difference between the Saxon without all those pieces was the fact that I had put Ford wheels on it, uh, Ford uh, wire spoke wheels, which uh, made the car ride a whole lot better. Uh, 1917 type wheels were more like bicycle wheels than they were anything else. They were wooden too, weren't they? Um, no, these were metal. They this, were metal. This was okay. off of a. a Ford of uh, about a 1932 or 33 Ford. And on the windshield of my Saxon, you can see my A sticker for the the gasoline rationing. And you can also see the other two stickers that were just made to purposely uh, get you to pay taxes and to help finance the war. Yes. Fast forward um, in the time uh, we have, um, you told me that you still currently drive. Your wife no longer drives, but you do, and you um, go to the pharmacy or the grocery store, wherever wherever you have to go, but you limit yourself to five miles or so, and that you drive, I believe it's a 2010 or 2011 uh, Ford, and it has uh, quite a bit of modern technology from, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, now. I, I have a Ford Fusion that, that somehow got... I don't understand how all this happened. It's a wonderful car to begin with. It's a four-cylinder, plenty of power, don't need anything more. But the extras that are on it include a backup camera. And, of course, uh, in a 10 model, you didn't have a screen. So they have it projected onto your rearview mirror, inside rearview mirror. Yes, and uh, I have the uh, warning little lights and beeping on each one of the outside mirrors on the front of the car by the door because if there's a car in my blind spot, that tells me. And uh, the Ford has fancy names for all these things, but it's a blind spot warning, and uh, it has the little inserts in the bumper so that if a car is behind me it will beep and uh, all that in a 10 model Ford is very unusual and also unusual is the fact it's silver in color and it has a tan interior well Ford doesn't do that they make a black interior when you have a, a, a silver car and the other thing that's unusual, it's a 10 model made in 08. That is I don't unusual. understand any of this. I don't either. Neither do I. What uh, what options do you like uh, in that car? I mean, like, obviously, like uh, power windows and 
What's, yeah, what, what do you see over all, through an, all the years? An, yeah, what do you like? What if you know? It's an SCL, and the thing I like the best is that I can play CDs in it. And the new cars, you can't play. I got a six CD player in it, and yes. that's factory. That's fantastic. And, you know, so I'm I'm sort of living in the past, but that's okay. Sure, it it's is. It's a good car. It's got two thousand miles on it, and I can see no reason that to replace it with anything. I can't get a, Still new. another car that would have the CD player anyway. That's right. Tom, I think my favorite story that you shared the other day, uh, I just found this fascinating, is that um, I don't want to ruin the story, but you, I'm going to set you up a little bit here and you can tell us the story. You, you had an occasion to help the California Highway Patrol at one point. And um, they they provided you're, you. You're, all my secrets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you. Should. So I'd love to. I'd love to kind of uh, close our podcast. Um, but you can tell as much of the story as you want, please, about well, the times you've been stopped and and your last moving <laughs> violation. That's just a phenomenal story. So please share that with us. My last moving violation was in the 1970s, and it was in Woodland, and it was where I made a right turn when the signal was red after a full stop, but there was a sign that said you couldn't do it. Yes. And that was my last moving violation. You still have guilt now, from 50 years ago. <laughs> no, that one, I, I kind of blame the fact that the sign wasn't too productive noticeable gotcha. in any event sure please I'm yes sorry. i i helped the highway patrol and this was in the late 60s i guess i helped them they were trying to apprehend somebody and they were rounding up i'm six foot four and well i was then i'm six foot three now but they were rounding up some taller people to try to help they had the fellow, they knew where he was. He was at a counter in front of a, a, a window like you would have in a, when you at that time went to a movie. And uh, so I just was a stand-in, but I was right there, and they approached him and uh, announced who they were, and uh, he turned around, and he saw that there was no point up in any effort because there was a whole bunch of big guys there and so I was given a small miniature uh, highway patrol badge I've attached it in every wallet that I've carried and when I have been stopped because uh, occasionally I maybe went a little fast um, the officer would ask for my driver's license and I was I would always fumble getting my license out of my wallet but I fumbled in such a way that it was perfectly clear I had a badge a little one but a highway patrol badge and I've always gotten warnings you're pretty Lucky slick you. you're pretty slick get sir get out of jail pass get out of jail pass that's right uh, <laughs> that's great well, I wanted to let you know that um, Bruce and I, um, with any good luck, are going to be down on the Monterey Peninsula in August. Uh, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the Monterey Auto Week uh, that goes on, and many of the events have been canceled. But there's seven or eight events that are still on, 
and um, it's in mid-August, uh, so we'll be we'll be passing through town there, so to speak. So um, we'd like to visit with you if it, if we let you have a good amount oh, of warning. You, you you want to see the picture of the Saxon, and I. I'd be happy to share it with you. That'd be great. I and I think also to. I, I want to see that my, my uh, you've told me that we, we kind of resemble each other in some way. My, the, the uh, You've seen the picture. Well, you have a, a teeny tiny picture in your column. Yes. And uh, I think I could use that and it would pass for my picture if I was 40 years younger. Maybe we can have your little teeny tiny badge. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make you. <laughs> no, try. the little teeny tiny badge is <laughs> safely in my hip pocket. All right. Well, um, Tom, thanks for the time today. Um, we'll be in touch with the the podcast. I'll give you a call, and we'll figure out a way that you can listen to it uh, if you're inclined. And then when August comes around, um, hopefully we're we're able to meet with all the, this craziness in the world. But We'd love to buy a cup of coffee or lunch or something, and we'll arrange that if, if uh, you have the time, and we'll make the time. So thanks uh, very much for being our guest. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to you some more about your 80 years with automobiles. It's yeah, fascinating. Thanks, it's just so fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. Don't lose the, line, the phone number. I shall not, sir. I pro- uh, maybe I'll put okay. that in. I'll put that in my wallet too, and that way I'll have it for sale. <laughs> fumble, <laughs> okay. fumble, it will always be there. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Bye, bye now. Bye.